questions that, that we can clarify, general questions about this subject, life, Sunday's class, whatever you, it's, it's your forum, so whatever you want to talk about, it's fine. Dharmesh, I, I can see a question coming up. He's thinking. Are you all, um, these classes are getting a little bit deeper now. Um, is everyone able to follow, understand? Um, it's very important before we move on that you have a proper understanding of what we already cover, you see? Otherwise it just gets more difficult. It's all layers, you see, we're building up from the basic foundation as we get deeper and deeper in the subject. So it's important to have a good understanding. And that's why we do these classes so that you can have a good understanding. Andy? Yeah? Could you please explain more on the microcosm and the macrocosm? Certainly. Certainly. In fact, who would like to explain? The difference. It's quite straightforward. Anybody like to explain the um, what it is? Let me just bring up my. Uh, when did you take it? Was it last Sunday or the Sunday up before? I think it was. It was page one fifty six. Yeah. So that means it was the class before. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No worries. A few weeks ago. Yeah, so it's that diagram we had, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So anybody would like to uh, have a crack at it? Well, I am, funnily enough, I looked this up this morning because <laughs> I was reading it in the book. Um, so I'll just read what I, what I found, if that's okay, on my uh, search. So macrocosm, microcosm refers to a vision of the cosmos where the part, which is the microcosm, reflects the whole which is the macrocosm and vice versa. So it's feature present in East Trek models, blah, blah, blah. So, so the microcosm is us and the macrocosm is the universe. And then, yeah, we're part of the universe and it's part of us. That, yeah. That's my understanding. Very good, well done. Anyone else want to take a crack at it? Explain it. She, yeah, Nilam, you're absolutely right, but just see if anybody wants to explain it in their own way. Yeah. 
So all us billions of microcosm make up the macrocosm. Yes, I understand the, um, the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body of the microcosm. Mm -hmm. So are you talking more about a diagram? Yeah, but I just wanted a bit more details on the macrocosm reflecting okay. the same, like the total gross, the total subtle. Okay, let's see if I can, uh, okay, I've got the, the capabilities. So, the, 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 you understand in the microcosm is us individuals, so our gross body, yeah. the subtle body, which is the mind and the intellect, and the, and the causal body is where the vasanas are. Yeah. Right. And that's the microcosm. So what they're saying is the consciousness enlivens us as an individual yeah but the consciousness enlivens the whole universe so all the gross bodies all the subtle bodies all the causal bodies make up the macrocosm which is the universe all right so the macrocosm is someone else no it's the totality of everything okay you me everyone all beings all put together yes because right. your consciousness is what enlivens everything so in 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 spiritual terms when they say the microcosm that means you like how we say atman hmm. and brahman so the microcosm is the individual the consciousness functioning in an individual and the consciousness fun functioning in everything is they consider it as macrocosm and okay. we are part of that they see ultimately everything is the self so if you understand that then it's irrelevant but at whether this it's, time, it, at this whether stage, it's the stuff within me or anyone else but at this stage for our understanding that differentiated it because we're still at the point of learning. Hmm. You know, we're not reached that state where we can say everything is this. Yeah, is that clarified? Yes, thank you. That's good, good. Roshni, you understanding the class is okay? Good. Very important. Otherwise, um, your what what happens is that your understanding becomes less and less because as we go deeper, you know, it's like doing calculus without having done the basic arithmetic lessons. You get lost afterwards. So that's why it's so important. And Can that's I why ask the a uh, yeah. Just one second. Um, so that's why it's important to go over what we cover on Sunday in the weekdays. So that before the next class, you have a good understanding of the class previous, so that you're you're building on building on your foundation of what you already know, and you get you'll get a lot um, more out of it. There aren't holes in your uh, understanding. Sorry, who was it? Is it Shashi? No, it was me, Aruna. Uh, Aruna, yeah. Um, 
I was going to ask, could you explain the concepts of the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper, please? Yeah, certainly. Who would like to explain that? We actually cover that again in chapter, the next chapter actually, the states is actually, the next chapter, chapter 11 is titled The States of Consciousness, Waker, Dream and Deep Sleep. 24 hours. But um, we can cover that now, it's not a problem. Who would like to, Dipa? Did you want to explain? Um, I can briefly. Uh, so the waker state is ourselves at present. Um, the dreamer state is when we're in the dream world. Mm -hmm. And the, um, what's the other? Deep sleep. Deep sleep is when you don't, when you're sleeping, but you don't have any dreams. So you have a really peaceful, peaceful sleep. So when you get up in the morning, you think I've had a really good sleep because your mind's not been active through deep sleep. Yeah. But within all, within all three stages, the um, common de denominator is I. I am the sleeper, I am the waker, and I am the deep sleeper. Yeah. Very well, thank you. Anybody else? States of free, yeah, Damesh? We also interact with our masters during all three states, if I remember rightly. Yeah. That's right. But, but the most important thing is to remember that in all states, it's the self we're looking at. Doesn't matter which way we look at it. Mm -hmm. That's what I get. Can you can you um, broaden that? Sorry. So the self is in all states, mm -hmm. and in all in all aspects, you should be looking for yourself. Okay. And as you, as that's what I understand it as. Okay. We are putting different states in, but. It's just different layers of ourself, and we need to understand that in okay. all aspects of life and all aspects of waker, dreamer, and deep sleep. Mm -hmm. So, so if, you can, those... if, if you can work on Avastas during all states, we will peel away like an onion, get to the middle, which is a self. Okay. Very poetically put. But how would you work on your vasanas in the dream state? Control. Let the dreamer in us can work on it. Why Sorry? not? The dreamer in us is us as well. It's I. He can dream of a better life, can't he? I don't know. It depends what you had for dinner. Exactly. <laughs> If you dream good, depends life is what, good. Depends if you watched a horror movie before you went to bed. Yeah. Or if you read a book. <laughs> if you read a book, yes. Then you could have a better life. So, any, anybody else wants to... Uh, um, yeah, sure. So, in a waking state, we are active. Our mind, body, intellect, 
everything is very active. We're in motion. Why we're we in motion? Because we have. Why are we in motion? Because. Because we're doing things. We are. Uh, we have the use of the body. Yes. Okay. So we're yeah. making use of the body. So we're active. We're in motion. Yeah. In a dreamer state, you your your body is at a rest uh, at a restful state, but your mind is still active. Yeah. And in a deep state, you nothing. Nothing. Absolutely Basically. right. So in, in deep slate, uh, anybody else wants to have a go? Well, I, I d all I'd add is that um, throughout our lives, we're going to always be going through all these different states. It's just part of life, but it's becoming a, one thing is all three aren't aware of each other. So when I'm dreaming, I'm not aware that there is a waking state and a deep, deep sleeper state. Um, but I think it's about, just becoming aware that they're all states and they're not real because they're not the real us, which Dharamesh was saying. Absolutely, absolutely right. Absolutely right, you're right. See, there's no real wrong answer. It's just from your perspective, what makes sense to you. So we're all going through three states of consciousness throughout our life. Right now we're awake, tonight we'll go to bed, We'll have a dream world, dream state. And then at a certain time, we'll have a deep sleep state. And we wake up, we're back into the waking world. And as Neelam said, all three states are independent of each other. The waker, the dreamer doesn't know about the waker or a deep sleep state. Only the waker knows that he goes through a dream state and a deep sleep state. The other two states are not, are not aware of the waker. And the other thing is the vasanas are not manifest in the deep sleep state. They're dormant. There's no thoughts. There's no desires. There's no action. Because your vasanas are in dormant state. In the dream world, your vasanas manifest, but there's no action. And then in the waking world, they manifest the thoughts and desires. So those are the three states of consciousness. And as Dharma said, it's the I pervades all three. I am the waker. I am the deep sleeper, I am the dreamer. It's the I that is a constant, not the three states. They're all different. So that's what we're saying is you're neither of those three. You're the I. The I is taking on the state, those three states. Novin, does that clarify a bit? Or do you have any further doubts or clarification? Is the I the, the Atman? Yeah, I is the Atman, the self. Right, okay. Your Thank consciousness, you. the consciousness within you. Right, thank you. Yeah, the electricity that's in the bulb, that's the consciousness. 
Thank you. Everyone, anyone else has any clarifications on that? Three states of consciousness. Chapter 12, we'll go into it in more detail. See, for, it's very important for us to understand this, because if we understand this, then only we can understand the fourth state. Roshni, you understand? Three states of consciousness. Good. You just have to think about it because you all go through it. It's not far-fetched. You all go through it. Any other clarifications or questions? Everyone was here for last Sunday's class? I've got a question, please. It's Trisha. Yeah, hi, Trisha. Um, so you just said that the dreamer is not aware of the deep sleeper or the waker. Yeah. What happens when you have a dream about waking up? So can you clarify, can you repeat that? So you said that the dreamer is not aware of the waker or the deep sleeper. Yeah. But sometimes you might dream that you've like woken up late if you need to be somewhere or something like that. Mm -hmm. So why would you dream about waking up if you're not aware that you, the waking state exists in your dream? Okay, you're dreaming of waking up, did you say? Yeah, so you might have like, say for example, if you're going to go on holiday and you've got a flight that's at six o'clock yeah. in the morning and you need to wake up in the middle of the night, obviously yeah. that's in your subconscious when you're dreaming. So you yeah. might have a dream that you've woken up and you're late and your taxi doesn't arrive on time and you're going to miss your flight, but why yeah. would you have that dream of waking up if you're not aware of the waking state when you're dreaming? Okay, good question. Anybody likes to, um, has anyone got any clarifications to her? Does everyone understand what she's trying to say? What she's trying to ask, first of all? This is how we do it in the ashram. We have a small group. There's normally about six, seven of us. Someone comes up with a question, and then we all question that person to make sure that we have a good understanding of what they're asking before we answer. And then we take a few minutes to think about it, and then each of us have to give an answer. And then that question is taken up by Swamiji in a big group discussion with everybody in the ashram, with everyone there. And that's how it works. And if we ask silly questions, we get blasted in front of everyone. <laughs> Anybody have any clarifications for Krishna? Yeah. So, as she says, uh, whenever you have a dream, that mm. means your mind is still at an active state. Mm. So you are awake, but you're not awake at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in deep sleep, you're not aware of anything that's, going to, that's happening to you in that period of time. So sometimes yeah. you could be in a deep sleep for two hours 
And that's why they say when you have a very good deep sleep, you can get, have two or three hours maximum sleep and be very fresh. Is because yeah. you've done nothing in that period of time. Whereas in a dreamer state, you're still, your mind is still very active. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why you're aware of your dream. So you subconsciously, mm-hmm. yes, your eyes are shut and you're, you're in your bed and you're asleep, but subconscious mind is still very active. That's okay. why you remember your dreams. Okay, so what she's asking is why does it, like she has to catch a flight next morning. And in, in her dream, she's dreaming that she's missed, a, she's late, woke up late and she's... She she, because she's still, it's an agitated mind. Yeah, agitated mind. Very good. Anybody else? We all experience this, what she's asking. Any ideas, anyone? Karmesh? The dreamer has his own reality of life, just mm-hmm. like we do in our fate. So there is no waking or sleeping. It's the same for the dreamer as it is in our reality. So whether it's in our waking state is in the dreamer state as well. Mm-hmm. So they have access to everything that we have access to. Okay but in illusional world, because nothing's real there. Or the dreamer would say that our world is illusional because mm-hmm. they have no connection to us. Right. So just like we wake up mm-hmm. and we don't remember much about our dream, mm-hmm. it's still a reality to us. To who? To the self. The self doesn't matter. And the self doesn't matter, but to the eye it does. It doesn't matter to the eye either. Who does it matter to? This is the confusion. Take the self out. The electricity doesn't matter if the bulb works or not, what color it is, what state the bulb is in. Electricity doesn't care. You switch it on, you switch it off, it doesn't matter to the electricity. So this is the confusion. The self, Atman, I, doesn't matter. doesn't care what you eat, if you sleep, you don't sleep. It just enlivens you, nothing else. Just like electricity. It doesn't matter to electricity. You've got a thousand watts or a hundred watts. It matters what you're saying. You're con- you're, what you're saying is partly true, but you're conf- there's a confusion there. We'll clarify in a second. But uh, Trishna's question. So, yeah, Deepa. So the the dream is the waker's projection. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's why a lot of things that's happening in the daytime. Bits of it only you will dream, it, um, have it in your dream, and it, it sometimes it just doesn't make any sense because it it is two different states, but yet it's certain projections of the dreamer, the the waker's mind that yeah. projects in your dream. 
Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we've not, I've not said this before, but Nipa is absolutely right. The, the dream is a projection of the waker's mind. Your body's not there, only your mind. It's a projection of the waker's mind. Yeah? What is a dream? Where did the dream originate from? Any idea? We've not talked about this before, but any idea where, what, it, what dreams are? Uh, mostly it's our collective thoughts previously thoughts. or present. Okay, yeah, so it's, you're half right. Anybody else? Dreams are our, our way of interpreting what we have seen in the world. Try and sort them out. So maybe a, trying to work out a vasta in, in a different way, in a relaxed or different way. Then without the controls of your normal mind. Okay. That's what some people say. Okay. So anybody else? What are dreams? So dreams are undigested thoughts. In the waking world, we have thoughts. Some of them are half-baked. We haven't concluded them. We haven't reached a conclusion of those thoughts. They're undigested. So those appear in the dream world. We still haven't answered Trishna's question, by the way, but we're going to get there. Sorry, Krishna. But um, so they're undigested thoughts, thoughts you have during the day. So they come up in the mind when you're dreaming. So be careful what you think about. I have that all the time because, uh, you know, when, uh, when I came to this country, I left my education halfway. Right. So, so you still get the dream that I need to finish my exams. <laughs> so I understand now what you mean. <laughs> Undigested thoughts. So Krishna, your question. See, when you're agitated, you have a flight to catch next morning. You got to wake up at five o'clock and your flight is at 8 a.m. You know, and you're worried during the day. In fact, we all go for this. We go to sleep. We know we have to get up early. Do we actually sleep? <laughs> We're agitated that I've got to get up. I've got to get up. Well, my alarm doesn't go off. We're agitated because we, it's, we, we, we don't want to miss our flight. So there's that extra pressure on us. So actually, we're not in sleep mode as such. We're sort of in between. We go through bouts of sleep and wake, sleep and wake. And that's why those thoughts are lingering even in the dream state because they're so strong and powerful and the waker can't switch off because there's a lot of pressure on him to wake up in the morning. Krishna? Yeah, that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so you're not actually sleeping, sleeping. You're in between. Yeah. In fact, they say 
when you wake up, normally you cannot remember the dreams because they're different states. The dream starts fading away the minute you wake up. They say it fades away as quick as you, how a, a salt, a doll made out of salt, when you immerse that doll in water, in the sea, it dissolves. Just as quick as that doll dissolves, that's how quickly your dream dissolves. In the same way. So imagine a salt doll and you put it in seawater, in the ocean. Automatically it starts dissolving, isn't it? In a little sack. It starts dissolving. Before, before you know it, within 30 seconds, a minute, it's lost all shape and it's gone. Your dream dissolves in the same way the minute you wake up. You may remember little bits, but you try to remember, you won't remember. You won't remember the whole dream. You won't remember the details. That's how quickly the, that state disappears. You may have some, because it's such a deep, strong dream, you may have some idea of what it was all about, but it will disappear very, very quickly. Any clarifications on that? These are good questions in the sense that this particular topic is very important to understand thoroughly because it makes up the foundation of this subject. Is it becoming more clearer? Yes, thank you. Deep sleep state, no agitations. Mind in the dream state, agitations. Waking state, agitations. Dream state, uh, deep sleep state, no agitations. They say it's the closest you'll come to the state, the fourth state, the state of self-realization. No agitations in that state either. So dreams, the deep sleep state is the closest you'll get to bliss. No agitations. No vasanas manifesting, no thoughts, no desires. So what causes your agitations, Deepa? Sorry, I missed that. What causes agitations? Our desires. And why are there no agitations in deep sleep? There's no desires there. Thank you. So that's why we have to reduce our desires, because you reduce them, then you get peace and happiness. More desires, the more agitations. Less desires, the less agitations. See, if, if you think about it, if fulfilling desires brought peace and happiness, then there would be no problems. We don't need to reduce them. We just keep fulfilling them and be happy. But unfortunately, it doesn't. This is the problem. You fulfill one, and next one comes up. You fulfill that, and next one comes up. Etc. It's never ending. And this is the problem. So if you fulfill the hundred desires, and that will bring you happiness, fine. Then we all aim for that. But it doesn't. This is the problem. 
it'd be easy for us. So then can I, following on from that, yeah. is, is an easy way then to, in your, in your practical daily living, is the key then to keep saying to yourself not to have desires so if you come up with something just say you're facing a desire therefore um eliminate the desire somehow in, in any situation that's ideally that's the, that's the right way of doing it but not all desires you can eliminate you have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to go to work. Yeah. These are certain things that you need to fulfill. But then there's the desires that come up which are unnecessary. Those are the ones you can try and eliminate. Desires that the intellect says that we don't need to deal with this. Desires that come up which you know that you may not be able to fulfill. The, I mean, the easy way, but you need a lot of knowledge for this is, is this desire, if I fulfill it, will it take me closer to the self? And the answer will be no. But we're not at that stage. So therefore we have to, that's why we have to develop the intellect so the intellect can control those desires. When desire pops up, you can control it. No, I don't need this. Yes, I do need this. So not all desires you eliminate. Some desires you need to fulfill. My child wants to go to the park. You have to take the child to the park. I want to go to the restaurant. Will that help me get closer to self? No, but I've got to eat. So I will go. I'm not justifying it, but <laughs> you see how it can work. So that's why we have to develop our intellect. So no, you're, you're absolutely right, Anabin. You you know, that is the ideal solution. But in practical terms, it's difficult to practice. And in some situations, I suppose uh, the way to tackle that is to say, rather than the mind uh, taking control of a situation, it's, it's you, you're trying to let the intellect guide you, be guided Absolutely. by your intellect, making Absolutely. the right choices, yeah? Yeah, because the, the intellect is the adult in you. The, child, the mind is the child in you. So who do you want to listen to, the child in you or the adult in you? They can say, so, okay, I think that's the mind talking. I'm not going to listen to it. I've done that many times. That's the child in me. Forget it. I'm not listening to it. And it goes away. Sometimes it wins. You know, when a child cries and cries and you say, okay, better child, here you go. Sometimes you have to treat it that way. <laughs> it's the same thing. Thank you for that. That's okay. So there's nothing wrong, you know, to behaving in that way. It's internal, yeah? Don't uh, do it externally. Otherwise, someone will think you're going a bit crazy. Vijay Bhai will say, what's happening to you? Since you've been going to these classes, you're acting a bit strange. 
There'll be two of us because he's listening as well then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's right then. It's all internal. It's controlling inside the, you know, it's all internal. Could you argue that it's acceptable to have a desire if it's related to your duties? However, even if you have that desire, you shouldn't have an attachment to the outcome of it. Well, that's, abs that's absolutely correct. In fact, you should not be uh, worried about the results well, no matter what you do. Yeah. You do your duty. This is called karma. Karma yoga. What you've described is karma yoga, which is you're doing your duties without, to the best of your ability without worrying about the results. You go to work, it's your duty. You do the best you can, but if you worry about the results, what happens, Krishna? Uh, well, you can become quite unhappy. Um, there's an attachment to doing well yeah and that attachment can cause you unhappiness if yeah. you are expecting a specific result or a reaction Absolutely. or a reward so when you're worried about the results you can't focus on the job at hand because your mind is agitated. Will I, will I get the promotion? Will I finish my job in time? Yeah. You're agitated about the results, you can't focus on the action. Mm. If you can't focus on the action, how is the action going to be perfect? Yeah. So, they but say, is it acceptable also to have that desire to want to do well in the areas absolutely. of your life that you have a duty to? Absolutely, you should. You should do the best you can. Without worried about the results, putting in the right action. You put in the right action, the results. See, it's like baking a cake. You got the ingredients there. You put, you measure the ingredients properly and put them in, and you set the oven to the right temperature. Why would the cake not come out perfect? But if you're worried about will the cake come out nice or not, will the cake come out nice or not, you're not putting the you're not putting the right ingredients in in the right measurements in the right way. You've got the temperature wrong in the oven. How's the cake going to come out? Because your mind is agitated on the result. Yeah. So that's why they say, forget about the result. Just put the right action in. The results will automatically be good. Yeah. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Thank you. Good. good. This is Karma Yoga. And this is actually the path to um, success. You put in the right action, you become successful. I think, I'm not sure if we've covered it in this book, the three C's to success. Cooperation, concentration, uh, what's the third one? Cooperation, concentration, What's the third one? I forget. Consistency. Consistency. That's the one. 
you, 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 do, you do those three C's in anything you do, then you'll be successful. Any other clarifications, questions? General questions? So any um, feedback? Sorry, Deepa, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, there isn't any other questions. Um, there's always this question about heaven and hell. Yeah. Um, just it, it, even though you sort sort of know what they mean, it's still confusing as to why people believe there is a heaven out there or a hell out there. Okay. Okay. Good point. So what's, what is heaven and hell? Any ideas, anyone? What's heaven and hell? I, um, yeah. I think um, what the real heaven and hell or the believed heaven and hell. Any heaven and hell. <laughs> okay, so I think because of some religions maybe um, there's been a bit of a misunderstanding about heaven and hell and you know if we this is my my belief if we yeah. um don't lead a righteous pure life we could end up in hell that's from a religious perspective but mm. in i think what vedanta teaches us is that we have the ability to experience heaven while we're here will potentially have the um, ability to experience heaven while we're here on earth mm -hmm. um if we kind of come to the realization that that we are the self and we're not separate from the self mm -hmm. but whilst we live in ignorance of this mm -hmm. um and we're um you know attached to the mind body intellect and believe that we're we're not the self and we're separate and we're at the effect of all our desires and our vasanas and, you know, effect of life and everything's happening to us and everyone's a problem. That's almost like you're living hell on earth. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Anybody else? The only thing I'd like to, um, it's very well put. The only thing um, I would like to add to that is that in that state, you don't know you're in hell. From absolute perspective now, you understand that could, this could be hell and heaven is when you've gained the knowledge, but you don't realize that you're in hell. You're enjoying hell. <laughs> you with me? Yeah? So, so um, any, any other perspective? But you're absolutely right, Milan. From, from an absolute perspective, you're absolutely right. But we're not at that state. So, yeah, she's living. 
Is it all in our mind? Heaven and health is both. Uh, heaven and health is in our state of mind. Uh, opposed to. If we, in an angry state, we can say we in hell. And when we're in our happy state, we are in heaven. Absolutely right. But opposed to what? What, are, what is the general belief? The general belief is when you do, when one does a, a, a lot of wrongdoings, ill, you know, yeah. treating people badly and uh, creating bad karma, you're going to go to the possibilities, you're going to go to hell. So, and when we do good deeds, more likely that you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Anybody else? Yeah, just what Sheila Hackley said. So that's what people believe. But the confusion is you leaving your body behind. So how can you physically be in hell or heaven getting the treatments or in either places? Hmm. So you leave it here. <laughs> everything is here. No, so everything is here. Yeah. On earth, right. right? Absolutely. So what we're saying is heaven and hell are not geographical places. Yeah, that's a term. They're not geographical places. There is no such place called hell. There isn't a place called heaven. It's all internal. When your mind is agitated, you say, oh hell. Literally, that's what it means. Your mind is agitated, so you feel like crap, you're in hell. When the mind is happy, it's not agitated, I'm in heaven. You feel good. There's no agitations. So heaven is purely mind without agitations. And hell is mind with agitations. It's just states of mind. It's all internal. So it's up to you to choose where you'd want to be, heaven or hell. It's in your control. It's in your control. Roshni? Clarify. Go on. Um, okay. Um, regarding that, so what happens to us after we die then? Like... Um... Like, do we reincarnate to animals or like regarding, I'm just saying that for heaven and hell, I didn't really understand that. So, yeah. No problem. I'm glad you clarified. So what we're saying is, first of all, heaven and hell are not geographical places. Yeah. So there's no place such as that that you go to. Secondly, heaven and hell are mental agitations. When you're feeling crap, you're in hell. When you're feeling good, you're in heaven. Yeah. Your partner brings you flowers, you're in heaven. Your partner forgets your birthday and don't bring you anything, you don't feel too good, you're in hell. Yeah, simple put. <laughs> yeah. That's heaven and hell for you. It's a mental state internally. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay. So, is everyone clear about that? 
In, in religion, they put this to frighten people, to control people. Not, not because they want to, but because the lack of understanding, you see? Religions are all about following priests. In fact, it's on Sunday's class, we're going to be talking about this. Drift in religion, what is religion? You know, where it went wrong. And we are going to be talking about the pros and cons of religion. But, um, and it's basically because people aren't learned, they're not thinking, they're told, you do good, you'll be in heaven. If you do bad, you'll be in hell. So be careful. So they're saying, control your actions, you know, follow the scriptures, follow the religion, and you'll be in heaven. If you don't, you'll be in hell. There's a way of control. It's a way of conformity. So you conform to a certain way. And that's how they portray heaven and hell. But we're now learning. We're learned. We're not at that state. We've grown up from that. We're no longer children. We're no longer... We're thinking for ourselves. Before they think for you. The leaders think for you. Now we're thinking for ourselves. So we understand there's no geography places called heaven and hell. It's just mental states of mind. Person who doesn't think will may still think that they're two different places. So I better be a good person. Is that okay? Roshni? Yeah. So your another question is then where do we go after we die? First of all, we don't die. Only our soul, yeah. Only your body dies. And the reason your body dies is because it's no longer able to fulfill your vastness. You want to go on a world tour, but you're in a wheelchair. You can't walk. How can you go on a world tour? We have strong desires to go on a world tour. You want to run a marathon. You've got a walking stick. How are you going to run the marathon? But you've got a desire for it. So the body dies. And then your desires, your mind and your intellect takes on a new body that is unable to fulfill those desires. As the desires carry on into the next birth. That's what that propels you to your next life. So the only thing that dies is the body. That's why, you know, mourning, you know, someone passes away, you're mourning and everything. There's nothing to mourn about. People are mourning because of their own attachment to the body, to that person's body. Their subtle intellect, their intellect, the subtle body we covered. The, um, the gross body is the physical body. The subtle body is the mind, intellect, and the causal body is the desires. So what moves to the next body is the causal body, which is your desires, vastness, and your mind and intellect. That goes to the next body. It's only your physical body that dies. So there's no need to mourn. You know, I think, um, I forget which chapter it is, verse, chapter two, verse 21 or 22 says, why are you crying? It's just like you're changing clothes. Old clothes are tattered, torn, worn out. You need to buy new clothes. That's all that happens. Your personality takes on a new body. Is that okay? See, it's better, isn't it, when you um, put on the video? 
more interactive, I told you. <laughs> Any other clarifications? We've got five minutes. So would it be sorry? Would it be possible for us to remember our past life, our old clothes, when we were in new clothes? You remember your old clothes when you throw them out, and you got new fancy clothes? Sometimes. That's your attachment. Okay. <laughs> no, normally you don't, but you know you hear these stories of people remembering. So there's sometimes always like that uh, where things don't work out 100%, you know? God doesn't get it right sometimes, you know? And something happens. There's always that freak of nature, but um, normally you don't. You know, but there's these, um, um, these therapies where they make you remember your past lives. And I, I mean, I haven't experienced it, so I can't really comment on it. And I can't also say that you cannot because I, I, I don't know about it. You know, there are some uh, um, people who say they can put you in some state and you can remember your past lives. I've never experienced it, so I can't really say anything, anything about that, Tomish. But I have heard about these things, but normally you cannot. It'd be scary, we could. It'd get too confusing if you could, because it would be so many different personalities. Mm. Definitely. You wouldn't be able to function, would you? No. With all different people at different times of the day. <laughs> Split personality. Yeah. Uh, we have enough trouble functioning with one personality. Yes. <laughs> we want to bring that into it as well. So next Sunday, um, I need to get the details. There's a lecture. Um, Swamiji Swami Parthasati, who's written this book and the 10, uh, ten, ten other books that we're covering. Um, he has a lecture, a live lecture on YouTube, I think it is, next Sunday or Saturday. I need to find out. Uh, um, I think it's 26, so I think it's Sunday, actually. Um, so if everyone would like to watch it, he's 93 now. And you can see the person who's written this book, give a talk. He normally comes to London in June, just in time for Wimbledon. Um, and... Um, he uh, gives a lecture, a public lecture. Um, this year, of course, he couldn't come. Um, so he's doing one online. So you should, I can't, um, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll post it on the group, but all of you should not miss that. You'll, you'll be able to listen to the person who wrote this book. His English is impeccable. Better than us, his English. So you shouldn't miss that. Some of you have already um, heard him speak, but no, uh, yeah, you should uh, take this opportunity. Yeah, 
Um, um, it's uh, Sunday at two o'clock. Yeah. And apparently you have to register as well. I don't think you do. No, because I know. I know that the, um, the message is that you need to register, but um, you don't actually need to, from what I've heard. Okay. All right. That's good. So you I'll, I'll post the details on um, as soon as I get it. I'll speak to my colleague in the ashram tomorrow, actually. I'll get the link. Um, it's, it's on Sunday at 2 o'clock. So you may have a double pass on Sunday. One in the morning and then one at 2 o'clock. But of course, that is just listening. So but I think don't, don't, don't anyone miss it. At least you're studying his book, so you should see, meet the personality, because you may not get another chance. Andy, mm -hmm. just wondering, if you could give us what pages we need to read earlier in the week, so we can spend time reading it, instead of getting okay. it like Saturday for Sunday? Well, in fact, I mean, I shouldn't have to, because in, in theory, it's the next two topics. Okay, it's always the next two topics. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. I don't yeah. overview them. I mean, the way, way it depends on the size of the topics, of course, but if you just read three or four pages on, you will, you'll be, you'll be there. Yeah. Sometimes it's difficult to gauge because, um, you know, sometimes there's questions and, you know, I don't like to rush it. And also I have to see how tired you look. <laughs> sometimes I have to stop earlier <laughs> if you've got your hand on your head or something, you know. Uh, then I stop earlier. So, but if you read about three or four pages, that's normally what we cover. Yeah. Good. Okay, anything else? Right. So it's uh, it's eight thirty. Thank you for joining us this evening.